Good morning, Evangel. Oh, it was okay, but we can do better. Good morning, Evangel. There we go. You guys have slept in a little bit longer, so you can, you can oof. All right, so we're going to have a lot of fun today. We're going to have a lot of fun. And you know why? Because we had a lot of fun in the first service. So I want you guys to know a little bit about me. Uh, you know, let's get to know one another. I love film. I love film. I love movies. I love TV. I love it. I love it. Today... The message is called The Rising Action. So strap in, because this message is going to blow your mind. All right. Love film. Love film. Love movies. I love good story. And to me, a good story is when good always wins, evil always bites the dust, and the guy always gets the girl. That is a good story to me. I don't watch chick flicks, and not because they're boring, because they are an emotional roller coaster, and I can't handle that. I'm just like, no, you and you just be together. It's so easy. That was just her brother. He, ah. Anyway, can't do it. But there are lots of shows and movies I can do. In fact, one of my favorites, one of my absolute favorites growing up, oh, it was amazing, but my mom wouldn't let me watch it. She said, and I quote, as long as you are under this roof, you cannot watch that show. So I went to my friend's house. <laughs> under his roof. I was smart. <laughs> and this, this show was called Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> and this show was exciting. Some of you know, you're like, oh, Yeah. This show was exciting. Like, the intro was like, Dragon, Dragon, Rock the Dragon. You're just like, I don't know what that means, but yes! And you'd be, like, so excited. And, and guys, I'll give you a hint what the show is about. It's not hairstyles. There was, like, one bald guy in the show, and he was the weakest. <laughs> anyway, but it was, it was very, it was exciting. The show was about fighting, in case the muscular men didn't get it's about fighting and kicking and explosions and good guys and fighting and bad guys and more explosions. And did I mention it was about fighting? Oh, it was exciting. And what really made this show exciting, besides the intro where you're just like, yeah, rock the dragon, is, is at the beginning of every episode, they would recap what happened in the last episode in the most epic voice. <clears throat> Last time on Dragon Ball Z. And you'd be like, oh my goodness. What happened last time? I need to be reminded. And then, then the middle of the show would be like all the... And it was great. And then at the end of each episode, you'd have a recap. Or not a recap, a teaser of what was coming in the next episode. And it would be followed by the same epic voice. Next time on Dragon Ball Z. And you're like... I can't miss this next show. Because the next show is when things are going to happen. The next show is when things are going to be really exciting, when there's going to be more punching and kicking. Yay! Somehow my mom would always know I watched it. I'd be like, Tim, let's fight! <laughs> Don't know how she knew. See, <laughs> there are five parts to a good plot. You guys are going to learn about scripture and plot lines. So there's five parts to every plot. There's the introduction where you meet the characters and the settings are kind of like laid out. And then you have what's called the rising action. 
And this is where like intentions are revealed and conflict is building and things get little complicated and it, it's, it's leading you to feel tense because you want to know what happens, which leads you to the next part, the climax, the moment where you go, <gasps> and you really, you know, and then it's the falling action where you're like kind of breathing and like, ah, and then there's a resolution where you're like, I want to watch that again. This show was all about the rising action. It felt like all they were ever doing was building it up and building it up and building it up. For anyone who's watched the show, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, ah, next time. Wait, he just awed the whole time. It was, it was tense and it was, oh, it was good, guys. And this, you're like, what does this have to do with scripture, Pastor Mike? I'll tell you what this has to do with scripture. Today, the passage we're looking at is kind of got a lot going on. We've got, we've got a recap of things happening. We've got the rising action as intentions are revealed and, and the motives of characters are, are, are being portrayed. And then we get like a little teaser of, of intention about what's coming after. You guys excited? Good. I'm excited. Guys, the Bible is exciting and way more violent than this show. So... I'm going to do my best to do a recap of the last couple messages in case you missed it. All right, you guys ready? Last time in the Gospel of Mark, the Pharisees and scribes plan backfire as Jesus challenges their authority. They're losing influence and they plot to murder. The disciples are warned of the coming destruction and hardships that will follow. And Jesus predicts his own death and return. Da-da-da-da-da! So now let's get right into the word. So Mark, chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. It was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and scribes were seeking how to arrest him, Jesus, by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. All right, so we're going to set the stage a little bit, okay? The stage is being set. We have a ton of tension happening here. We have a ton of emotions running through. There's pride, there's anger, there's greed, there's jealousy. There is so much fear, folks. There is so much fear. But let's talk a little bit about the setting, all right? First, Passover was coming. This is like the biggest Jewish holiday feast of all the Jewish holidays and feasts. Like, if you're Jew-ish the rest of the year, this is the day where you're straight-up Jew. There's no ish during Passover. You are Jew. Right? Like, this is the big deal. There are one million Jews about to come into Jerusalem. That's a lot of people. Guys, I get, like, uncomfortable when there's, like, 40 people in the subway. There's going to be a million people in this tiny little town, and they're going to be feasting and remembering God's goodness, and it's going to be great. And guess what? The religious leaders are plotting to murder someone. I don't, now, I'm not, I'm not a Passover expert. I'm not a, a, a scholar of Jewish customs. I try and know. Uh, but I talked to Pastor Joe in the first service, and he assured me that murder was not a part of the Passover tradition. Which, you know, now you all know. This is great. And I'll tell you that as, as someone, as a pastor, I'll tell you to Patty and me and Joe and Rob, like during the big celebration moments we have, we're not plotting murder. You can sleep well tonight. 
We're, we're getting ready for people to come and, and, and to church and to pray and to worship and to remember the, the great things that God has done and the great things that God is going to do. Folks, can I just tell you, the religious leaders during one of the most critical holidays, they are focused on the wrong thing. Their focus is in the wrong place. Their heads are in the wrong place. Their hearts are in the wrong place. Their mouths are in the wrong place. They're just in the wrong place. It's not good. Folks, that can be us. When we put our focus on where it shouldn't be, we shouldn't be surprised when we end up where we shouldn't be. If you're walking straight and you're looking straight, you will continue to walk straight. You know, and, and guys, this... Oh, they just blows my mind. Now, I, I want us to understand a little bit more. Because often when we talk about the Pharisees as Christians, we have it in our mind that these people are evil. They're just nasty, cruel, vile people. They just, nah, they're plotting their evil schemes. We're going to murder Jesus. Why am I a pirate? I don't know. But, but that's what they're, you know. But we need to actually understand the motives behind what they're doing. Right, there's a lot more going on here. They're not just like evil, mean, cruel people. There's a lot happening. Let's try and understand their motives, okay? All right. First, they are losing control over their people and their influence over their people. And so you might go, okay, so they're losing power. This seems pretty evil. They're like, oh, I'm losing power. No, it's, it's, a, it's deeper than that. There's more here than just that, folks. Because losing control of their people caused them to fear that they would lose their access to God. What do you mean, Pastor Mike? That seems a little weird. See, things were tense with the Romans. The Romans were letting them worship. They were letting them keep their temple. They were letting them, you know, be Jewish under the conditions that things remained peaceful, under the conditions that things remained calm. They're losing control of their people. They fear civil unrest amongst the Jews between this new man who is teaching things contradictory to what they're teaching. And if, if civil tension breaks out, Romans come in, take away the temple. And folks, we now worship God God's presence is everywhere. There's like no special place we have to go. We, can, we are literally always and can always be in the presence of God. It was not that way before. There was a place where God's presence rested. It was called the Holy of Holies. And guess where that place was? I'll give you a hint. The temple. <laughs> Actually, I'll just give you the answer. It was the temple. That's where they could meet with God. That's where God's presence was. If they lost the temple, they lost their access to God. It's now kind of making a little bit more sense where some of this tension and some of this fear is coming from. But it's not just that. It's not just the loss of God, you know, the, of God's presence they fear. It's actually also they are afraid of God's wrath. Because Old Testament was very clear. Old Testament was very clear. Heretics, you get rid of them. Or God gets rid of them and whoever else is in the path, like whoever's following the heretics. So in their mind, what they are doing is, 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 is good. They are, they are getting rid of a heretic who's trying to lead people away from God. And if you read the Old Testament people, it's like reading the same story over and over and over. They're like, oh, 
Jesus, or not Jesus, God, we love you, we love you, God. And God's like, yay. And then they're like, oh, this is pretty nice. Hey, look, another God. Oh, we love you, other God. And God just goes, no, this ain't going to do. And you think that they would learn after a while, but they don't. Keep going and going, and it's a vicious cycle. So the Pharisees are trying to stop another cycle from going. Folks, remember, they... The last time they fell away from God, God goes, I'm going to be silent for a good long time then. There's a, there's a genuine fear here. And ultimately, they fear the loss of tradition. They fear the loss of their customs. They fear the loss of their temple. Folks, there's nothing wrong with tradition. But when we make tradition our God, we miss out on God. When you are holding so tight onto the way things have always been, you will lose what God wants there to be. I'm, I'm not bashing tradition. I'm just saying it's not God. Let it go. Let it go. So let's let's we're gonna we're gonna fast forward a little bit to a new scene. To anyone who had a VHS player, you, you know what that's about. So Mark chapter 14, verses 3 to 9. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster, alabaster flask of ointment, a pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But. Everyone say but. Everyone say but. There we go. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you will always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, whenever the gospel is preached or is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Whew, there's so much happening there. Like this is the rising action, folks. So we know where the religious leaders were. They were plotting murder. Typical. And now let's look at where Jesus is, okay? Jesus is in the company of the sick. Jesus is residing among the sick. This, this is a social taboo, guys. Especially with Passover coming. Remember I said, like, if there's a holiday where you're just straight up a Jew, you're not Jewish. Like, he was with the unclean. And to be with the unclean was to become unclean. And this is where Jesus chose to make his company. On top of that, a woman approaches him while he's reciting at the table, which was also another big no-no. It's a big social taboo. And she comes, and she pours out a perfume all over Jesus. And folks, what she does is one of the most beautiful acts of worship in all of the Bible, in, in my mind. Like, it's, it's just, it's just, it's beautiful. See, his concern was with the heart not the social customs. That's where Jesus, that's where his concern was. The Pharisees' concern was with their tradition. 
was with the customs. Jesus's was with the heart. And this woman clearly showed where her heart was. 300 denaries was a lot of money. So now let's go back to the rising action. See, an argument broke out, go figure, about about waste and resources, and, and Mary was scolded. I know that's very hard to believe that sometimes, you know, people would argue about resources. Pastor, why are we spending money here? This is a waste. This is a waste of our money. We should be using it to do something good for the community or for our building or just not for this. I don't like this. Like an argument, and Mary was scolded. And, you know, like I actually have to, let's ask the obvious question. Let's ask the obvious question. Why didn't they sell the perfume for a whole lot of money? That's actually a pretty good question. Why didn't they sell it? and give the money to the poor. Because the question was actually not the question. Jesus saw the intentions behind the words. You know, it actually wasn't about the poor at all. But Mike, it says in the Bible that they were concerned about the poor. There's more. So we're going to go to the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 3 to 6. Because it gives us Another side of this account. You guys ready? Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and worshipped and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Issachar, one of the disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, But because he was a thief, and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Huh. Guess it wasn't about the poor. See, and and Judas is is, is revealing a little bit uh, about who he is, right? His complaint wasn't wasn't for other people. It was actually about personal gain. (laughs) Because he's he's now lost something. Wait a second, I could have have, uh, taken a little bit out of that. That could have been for me. And... Folks, just so you know, 300 denaries, you're just like, that, is what, that means nothing to me. That's a year's salary. A year's salary. To, 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 to kind of help you just get that, the average Quebecer makes $44,621 in a year. So imagine a perfume that was that expensive. If any of you, by the way, want to worship like that today, feel free, by all means. We won't stop you. And, and all the wives now poke their husbands. See, my perfume doesn't cost that much, so stop complaining. And all the husbands are like, I wish you would pour out your perfume. <laughs> and, and the thing is, Mary's who I kind of want to focus on now because we've talked about Judas. Mary was more focused on the act of worship, not the cost of it. Because who do you think the perfume belonged to? <laughs> Mary. And she used it in this beautiful act of worship without thought of the cost. One of my favorite responses to this account is, is Jesus's. When, when he goes, you'll always have the poor. And whenever you want to do good for them, you can. And, and I read this personally a little sarcastically, a little tongue-in-cheek when Jesus goes, Huh. Now you care about the poor. They've been here for a while. 
and they'll be here for a while. You know, kind of like, why are you scolding her? There's always going to be work to do. Go do it. The rising action. So now let's look a little bit more at what Jesus says, because there's a lot of truth here. I don't want you guys to miss it. He says, but she has anointed my body beforehand for burial. Now, I've never been at a dinner where someone goes, that pie was because I will die soon. (laughs) Make for an awkward meal. Hopefully it's a good pie. But, you know, Jesus right here is acknowledging something. He's acknowledging that he's aware that there's a target on his back. He's not surprised. He's actually surprisingly calm. Jesus knew he had a target and chose to trust God. I want that kind of trust in God. I need that kind of trust in God. Isn't that amazing, folks? He knows hardship's coming. He knows, he knows he's going to die. And he's trusting. And folks... He's trusting because he knows God has a bigger plan. A plan that, that involves saving the entire world for all of time. And he's willing to surrender it all out of love for us. That's incredible. His thoughts are outside of himself. His thoughts are outside of his own hardships. And they're on you. And they're on me. That's beautiful, folks. So there's three things happening here. The Pharisees were blind to who Jesus was. The Pharisees were blind to who Jesus was. These were the religious leaders. These were the people in the know. They should have known all the scriptures. They should have known all the prophecies. And they were blind to who he was. They were too busy plotting murder. The disciples didn't understand a dying Messiah. In their mind, for the disciples, a Messiah is going to come in and he's going to be like, bye Romans, I win. Like, that's, their, their idea of a Messiah is someone who kicks a lot of Roman butt. A lot of it. And then claims victory. So this idea of a Messiah dying is, nope. But Mary knew the love of her Savior and worshiped. She, she gets it. Jesus says, he's, she's anointed me beforehand for burial. I just, folks, Mary would have been considered an, an outsider in many, in many regards. Right? The religious leaders had all the access, all the information. The disciples were literally training under the feet of Jesus, and Mary approaches Jesus when she's not supposed to. But she gets something that all the insiders didn't get. Folks, sometimes the people in your lives here are like, I don't know if they get it. They'll get it. <laughs> they might even get it better than you do. <laughs> and she worships. What the disciples scolded, Jesus honored. And what's really cool is just by me sharing this message with you, she's still being honored to this day. I've never done anything so good that 2,000 years later, people are still complimenting me on it. 
I don't know. I doubt it. <laughs> but I, I doubt anything I do will ever be so good that 2,000 years later, people are like, man, Mike, that guy. Who is he? I don't know, but apparently he did something real good. This is amazing. And she's being honored. Folks, sometimes living the life God wants you to, it's not going to please people, but it will please God. And in fact, if you're trying to please people, you probably won't be pleasing God. It's just the truth. So now, now we're going to get to the teaser part. So next time in the Gospel of Mark. Mark 14, 10 to 11. Then Judas, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. See, now we're seeing, we're seeing intentions revealed. We're seeing motives revealed. There's, there's, there's a tension that we are now aware of. It's not just from the Pharisees. It's coming from Judas. And, you know, for those of us who know this story well, at times we go, okay, yeah, but it's Judas. Yeah, he's, he's the throwaway. Folks, that's, that's not it. Judas was one of the 12. He was called personally by Jesus to be one of the 12. He spent three plus years learning under Jesus, eating with Jesus, sleeping in the same environment as Jesus. He saw the miracles. He saw the healings. He probably went out with the other disciples and performed some of these miracles, casting out demons. He was an insider. In fact, he was... Probably one of Jesus' friends. One of the people closest to him. See, Jesus experienced personal betrayal. Jesus experienced personal betrayal. We shouldn't be surprised when it happens. If the holiest, most perfect man to ever walk the earth experienced hardship and personal betrayal means a few things. One, we shouldn't be surprised when it happens to us. And two, doing right does not spare you from this kind of pain at times. And it hurts. And it sucks. I'm going to say it again. It sucks. I've been personally betrayed. I'm pretty sure everyone in this room can think of a time they've been personally betrayed. And if you could see all of our emotional scars, we'd probably all be really ugly. Because we carry them with us. Jesus experienced it. You know what, really? Ugh. Judas sold Jesus for the price of a slave. That's insult to injury, folks. Like, going to the Pharisees and be like, I'm about to hand you over what, who people think are the, is the promised Messiah. I want premium cash. No. Price of a slave? That seems fair. Ow. But folks, there's an encouraging part to this, and it's that time reveals the character of all. Time reveals the character of all. And that's either a really good thing for you or a really bad thing for you. Because if you're living right, then eventually the purity of your actions will rise to the top. And if you're living in deceit, eventually that'll come forth too. So this news should make you either really excited or really terrified. 
You can't control the actions of other people. Only your reactions. See, Jesus knows he's going to be betrayed. He knows this. And his reaction is that of trust, his confidence in the Father. Folks, people will do things to you that you can't stop or you don't see coming. Sorry. But you can control how you respond to that. You, do you get bitter? Do you get angry? Do you get vindictive? Or do you trust that God will see you through this? You can only control your reactions. So, we've got contrasting characters. All right? There's a, lot of, there's a lot of neat things happening here. We've got the Pharisees, right? We've got the Pharisees, and they're worried about preserving tradition and order out of fear. They looked to destroy. And then we have Jesus. Right? And Jesus was focused on the Father, the heart of his followers and out of love was ready to give it all folks the light of your actions you ever have someone say to you you know oh you're such a goody two shoes it's probably because the way that you're living actually convicts them (laughs) because the contrast is there Jesus Pharisees. But there's more contrast in the story than just that. We've got, we've got Judas as well. And Judas was focused on personal gain and influence from following Jesus. Out of greed, he sought to betray. And his contrast in character is Mary. And Mary was focused on the teachings of Jesus and being a follower. And out of love, fell down and worshipped despite the personal cost. So what? With my youth, I have these so what moments. And so all of you can say, so what? How does this message about perfume and murder apply to me? There are so many things that apply to all of us here. I got four questions for you in my director's commentary, because every good film has director's commentary. First, what is your identity founded in? This story is all about identity crisis. You have the Pharisees who, whose lack of security in their identity leads them to do terrible things. They're afraid of losing what was their identity. And so because there's no security there, they, 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 they attack and they plot. And you have Judas who isn't a secure in his identity either because we're told that after he betrays Jesus, spoiler warning, he kills himself. The atrocity of his own actions confuses him and he kills himself. Identity is huge. But then we have Jesus, whose identity is in the Father. And because Jesus' identity is in the Father, he, he can overcome hardships. He can trust when the difficult times come. He can stay the course and do what's right regardless of the masses even when the inner circle is arguing about resources. 
And then we have Mary, whose identity is founded in Jesus. And out of this understanding of her Savior, worships without abandon, or with abandon, with no regard to the personal cost of her act of worship. That is powerful. The the second question I want to ask you is, how do you react to hardship? How do you react to hardship? Do you get bitter? Do you get angry? Do you shut down? Do you start to complain? See, Jesus knew slander and betrayal. He knew them. He knew slander definitely for most, a lot of his ministry. And he knew betrayal was coming. But continue to love and trust and do what he needed to do. Because he wasn't swayed by other people's actions. How do you react to hardship? Third question is, what do you worship? You might be going, Pastor Mike, don't you mean who? No, I mean what? Some of us worship things. Some of us worship money. Some of us worship popularity. Some of us worship tradition. Pharisees did. Judas worshiped wealth. Mary worshiped Jesus. What do you worship? The fourth thing isn't a question so much as a statement. God honors right worship even when people don't. That's really important for you to know because in your Christian walk, there are going to be times where it's going to cost and where people's reactions are going to be the complete opposite of what you hoped for. God honors right worship even when people don't. And if you're looking to please God, then worship. Folks, life isn't a movie. It's not a show. It's much more complicated. It's messy. Sometimes you feel like, you're in a tragedy. Sometimes you feel like you're in a comedy. Sometimes you feel like the writers are on strike and your life just doesn't make sense. I will tell you this. If you place your trust in Jesus and let your identity be founded in who he is, you will have the most perfect, most wonderful, most awesome ending ever because it won't. It'll just be good for an eternity. Pastor Mike, can you say that? I can, because the Bible told me so. (laughs) See, folks, when we're afraid to lose things, wealth, influence, uh, jobs, I'll tell you what we do lose. We lose hope. We lose peace. We lose faith. We lose sight. place your hope and your worship in Jesus, I'll tell you what you lose. You lose doubt. You lose fear. That's pretty awesome. So today, as we close this service, I want to invite the ministry team to either be in the aisles or in the front or both to pray with you if you want to be prayed for. If you just want someone to pray with you and say, listen, I I need to get my sights back on the right thing. I need to focus on the right thing again. You just want someone to pray with you? They're going to be there. But as a church, can we all stand together, please? Can we worship today in full abandon? Can we leave aside the things that have been stressing us that we've been holding on to? Can we focus on God 
and not the personal cost or not who's watching. And can you just abandon yourself before God and give him your everything today? I know lunch is almost here, but folks, don't miss this moment. Don't let what's coming up next take you away from this moment because God can do something powerful in this moment. Worship team's gonna lead us in a song and then we'll close and we'll dismiss. But for these next few moments, just push in entirely to God.